Could it be that intermittent fasting is one of the missing pieces of the puzzle when it comes to optimizing your health and longevity? Of course, the fundamentals are still exercise, proper nutrition, sleep and stress management, but I would say that fasting and avoiding food for a certain period of time and coupling it up with proper refeeding is still one of those things that tends to be neglected. So in this episode of the Body, Mind and Power podcast, I'm going to replay the interview that I had on the Optimal Performance Podcast with Sean McCormick. Body, Mind, Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. And we're here with Seam Land, who is all the way in Estonia. It's seven o'clock at night in his time. It's the morning in my time. And Seam is a YouTuber, a biohacking conference coordinator, an author, a speaker. And if you have not found his YouTube channel yet, it's S-I-I-M-L-A-N-D. And the dude is a juggernaut. The, The amount of content that you do is super amazing. And I'm super glad to have you on today's episode. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm also excited for, you know, talking about some cool stuff. Yeah. So I like to start each episode with the with the same question. Uh, and because this is going to be as hardcore uh, biohacking as we can get, um, you know, it's 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 nighttime where you're at. I'd love to know what you've put in your body today. Uh, well, funny enough that uh, it, although it's uh, starting to get you know late, I still haven't consumed any actual calories for today, and I'm doing like a very restricted time time restricted feeding type of schedule with intermittent fasting and such. So today I've only put on in uh, like only some black coffee and uh, some uh, molecular hydrogen water. So that's what I've been uh, consuming uh, for this day only. <laughs> Tell me about the molecular hydrogen water. Well, I've been I've been uh, using uh, the brand this brand called uh, Trucy Water, and uh, I do think it's quite a, quite a cool concept. And I don't have I haven't like had much experience with it so far, but uh, you know there's there's uh, still quite a new research coming out that it's really beneficial for hydrating the cells and uh, you know promoting oxygen promotion uh, production and such. So it's uh, something we curious, and I'm really excited. To kind of look into look into uh, what's kind of a future you know benefits I may experience, but so far it's been pretty good. Nice. So all day long, are, are you are you in the middle of a of, of an extended fast? Is that why you haven't eaten anything all day? Uh, no, not really. Like uh, at the moment, uh, I'm doing uh, a regular kind of a fasting type thing that I do almost every day, and uh, today is going to be basically like a 24 hour fast thing where. After this interview, I may probably have like a smaller meal, uh, but yeah, in general, it's like this sort of a one-day fast type of thing where I mimic more caloric restriction and uh, drive my body into this deeper fasted state. What about supplements? Do you take any vitamins or supplements? Uh, no, not really. Like, uh, well, first of all, I think uh, they're not going to be necessary for such a short fast. Like, one day isn't 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 going to cause any deficiencies in any of these. Uh, these essential vitamins and minerals. So I don't really take any supplements during the fasting window. Uh, first of all, like I said, they're not needed. And secondly, like also the kind of the absorption is much lower if you are not combining them to f- with food. So uh, later I may have like some, you know, maybe fish oil or cod liver oil or something like that, but uh, not necessarily during the fasted window. So yeah, <laughs> just uh, just water and uh, coffee. 
Okay, so you so you you tend to stay away from supplementation unless you have some food in your stomach as sort of a general rule. Yeah, like uh, I don't see like really point in uh, taking supplements if you are fasting. Like first of all, they may interfere with the fasting uh, physiology, and secondly, like I actually think that going through these periods of not getting your essential nutrients and vitamins, minerals all the time, that can have like this positive benefit by making the body more sensitive towards them again. Like like we know that you know carbohydrate restriction and ketogenic dieting they can improve insulin sensitivity. Uh, but you know the same can apply to these you know essential vitamins and minerals. If you don't get them all the time, then your body will start to prioritize them. And whenever you do get them, then you'll absorb them much better, at least like in the short term, and at least in like a s- small hormetic dose. Yeah. Um, do you take? Uh, do you measure your ketone levels? Yeah, sometimes sometimes I do, uh, but uh, not really on a like a consistent basis. Uh, I may take my blood ketones maybe like once or month, once a month or something like that. And uh, but on a on a daily basis, whenever I would measure my ketones, I'm using like the breathalyzer. So that's like a more you know quicker way of uh, getting some uh, feedback about my ketosis. But I don't really, I'm not worried about the ketones, so to say that. Uh, even though I'm all like I'm already fasting, so it's uh, it's natural that my body would be in this mild ketogenic state already, and I'm not eating like a bunch of carbs with my with my dinner either. So, like I can already predict that my ketones are somewhere between like you know 0.7 between 1.2 and such. So like the the amount of ketones themselves isn't gonna be more important or more detrimental, so to say. Uh, but I do kind of keep track of every once in a while with the breathalyzers. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that with with people who have made this a lifestyle, who are either you know eighty twenty or more intermittent fasting mostly every day. I've found that uh, for for those of us who've done this for longer periods of time, you can kind of feel when you're in ketosis and when you're not, mm. yeah. uh, and you can you you this you know this mental sharpness. You know, you feel firm. You feel like you have a lot of energy. Uh, you can kind of are, are you in that same boat? Can you can you tell? Well, I know that like if you're going to eat a cookie you know you're you're gonna gonna knock yourself out and that's obvious but can you kind of detect when you are in ketosis and when you're not yeah i actually do like uh uh, like i said it does kind of it is accompanied by this heightened sense of mental clarity and sharpness and i do feel that uh, i'm not like i wouldn't tell the difference between maybe 0.3 ketones and 0.7 or something but i would uh, definitely recognize when my ketones would be above 1.5 millimoles or something like there is this like, some sort of a different acuity and uh, the, like this blend of some cortisol and some adrenaline that's cause that that sort of a feeling especially during like a longer fast of maybe 40 hours then at that point i definitely feel that yeah my body is somewhat of deprived of energy but at the same time i'm really crystal clear and i do, i still have like this sort of a spring in my step and uh, that's the, that's those like heightened ketones that give me energy yeah yeah do you <laughs> uh before we dig in because there's we're there's so much i mean your 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 youtube ubiquity i mean like the, the views and the and the um and the subscribers uh you know to be totally honest i'm not a giant youtube uh, consumer, um, I don't, mm. I don't, uh, I don't spend hours and hours uh, watching YouTube videos, but I know great content when I see it, and so we're definitely going to get into the the breadth and scope of intermittent fasting and autophagy and mTOR, and um, there's some other th- stuff that I want to get into too. But 
uh, before we before we jump into that, you know, I'd like I'd like to little know a little bit more about how you got into this. Like, why why is this a passion for you? How mm. is it that you found yourself? Uh, have you always been tinkering with your food? What what's your background that led you to this uh, this exploration of of biohacking? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like an important question, so to say. That kind of says all the backstory. Uh, well, first of all, I've never been like obese or I've never had any health issues, so to say. So I've been quite fortunate in that sense. And uh, I've also been quite fortunate in having this foresight or this idea of, uh, you know, taking my health really seriously and, uh, you know, practicing prevention, which is, you know, the best type of medicine there is. And, uh, you know, in my childhood, I didn't pay much attention to like what I ate, uh, you know, besides simply like uh, maybe... <laughs> just like how did it taste like so to say and i didn't have like a huge nutritional optimization strategy and such <laughs> but yeah. but but when i started lifting weights in uh, in high school uh, then i did you know it's natural that okay if i'm already working out putting in that much time and effort then let's look into the entire concept of intermittent fasting and uh, restricting your time where you're consuming your food so the, the first kind of pursuit or the reason why i did it was to you know burn some more body fat and uh, still, still, still be able to lift weights and such. Uh, but at the same time, I was also like really, as a natural kid or uh, in my early youth, I was also very interested in this entire uh, human adaptation and entire kind of idea of how humans evolved. Uh, how do how do we how does the how does the body respond to you know, physiological stressors, and uh, how can we actually cope with it and uh, deal with it better? So after the high school, I joined the military uh, for like eight months, which is like mandatory service uh, in Estonia. And uh, th at that time, I was also kind of very curious. Uh, of, of, where like in the military, I was exposed to these kind of adaptations and uh, more more exposed to these uh, environmental stressors, whether that be like the cold or, you know, moisture, <laughs> walking around in swamps and carrying, you know, huge loads of uh, equipment with you and sometimes not having, the, you know, the best type of food. At that point, I was uh, more curious about, yeah, like uh, it kind of mimics a lot of these uh, physiological stresses that the human body experienced in the past. Yeah. So that, that kind of sparked my interest into looking further into, especially like cold, cold exposure and uh, intermittent fasting and uh, exercise and heat exposure and uh, everything else. So uh, after that, uh, I've simply, I also have, have like a bachelor's degree in anthropology which I got after the military. So that kind of also added or more, more, more fire to the flames of uh, learning or being curious about humans and uh, how can you gonna live with it? Yeah. Are you, uh, you know, it just sort of occurred to me, are you sort of a longevity guy? Are you, uh, you know, futurist, uh, uh, <laughs> trying to live, trying to live till 200? Are you one of those guys? Well, I do, I do think like, um, uh, that uh, you know the things that we do with biohacking those can be used to exponentially increase life expect expectancy of humans in the coming few decades so to say and i do think that the average lifespan will kind of increase quite a lot uh, but my purpose necessarily isn't going to be like to reach immortality or to upload my consciousness into some sort of a cloud okay <laughs> <laughs> my own pur my own purpose is to yeah kind of contribute to this entire uh, entire idea of, of you know learning about longevity and uh, science and and such 
Uh, but uh, you like uh, at the same time, I still think it's 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 simply a means of improving uh, quality quality of life and uh, and lengthening health span, not necessarily only just lifespan. Yeah, quality of life. You know, if you can if yeah. you can feel like if you can feel like you're 30 until you're 80, like that's a good thing for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So your 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 YouTube channel, um, I'm just going to keep pointing to it, and I know that you do other things. You know, I know that you you know organized a biohacking conference. Uh, in Estonia, um, but your range of content on YouTube is is, is pretty fascinating. Um, um, fasting techniques, um, how to reduce loose skin after you've uh, after you've lost a bunch of weight, um, increasing autophagy without fasting, um, and I'm curious about. Um, when you engage in this sort of stuff, because I, you know, when I look at the comments and stuff, everybody's an expert, right? Everybody's a YouTube. <laughs> everybody knows more than you. <clears throat> um, uh, what sort of things do you talk about that are the most sensational? What do what do people really push back against when you when you talk? You know, like baking soda, for instance. I've seen that lots mm. of people bitch about baking soda. Um, <laughs> What what sort of things do you are you passionate about that you do, that you do videos on that that people freak out about? Mm, well, I think like the my most popular videos uh, have to do with intermittent fasting and like the keto diet, and uh, in that sense, there isn't like much backlash uh, on those topics because uh, I do think like maybe I do explain them in a <laughs> if I do say so myself, like I explain them in a well in in a well manner, uh, but uh, at the same time, like I think people can also uh, li- or they do have like more kind of reference experience with those topics. Like everyone knows that uh, that you know the good quality food has an effect on the body, and it will definitely be you know worth it to eat quality food. Uh, but at the same time, like the most biggest kind of a uh, cr- skepticism or criticism comes from maybe. Uh, these other kind of less conventional biohacks like, uh, let's say, you know, using blue blockers at night or, you know, doing vibration plates or something like that. Uh, at those, in those cases, most people or some people tend to be more critical and more skeptical about does this actually work and this is, this is just like some sort of a marketing hoax <laughs> and... Uh, like, yeah, like the, yeah, there may be like some backlash in that. But in my, in my opinion, like, uh, they, 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 it's it's simply a matter of actually experimenting with it and uh, doing those things themselves, like actually wearing those blue blockers yeah. and you know taking taking the you know there's some like you can take the online uh, blue blocking glasses test where you can see does it actually filter out your blue light and such. And uh, in my own experience, like I've used blue blocking glasses and I do see a significant difference in my aura ring scores for my sleep and REM sleep, so to say, that whenever I am wearing these blue blockers at night, then my REM sleep and deep sleep will, are much higher than if I'm not wearing them. So, like, it, it has to go back to, like, uh, doing actual quantifiable experiments and uh, using certain uh, technological gadgets that give you, like, data and numbers because, let's say, the human mind can be somewhat deceptive and it uh, doesn't really like being intuitive about it is of course like a good thing but at the same time you can't 100% trust your intuition all the time your intuition has to be kind of trained and conditioned based on uh, past experiments and uh, past experience 
yeah. so how do you gain that experience in that experience with you know the kind of things that i give like terrible that reach the point where you trust your intuition but at the same time you like you double check it with your data and uh, rational thinking yeah yeah it's important to track i mean that, that that's the beauty of the of the biohacking tech that we have is that uh we can we can we know <laughs> we know how yeah, we sleep exactly. when so we like have... knowledge knowledge is power so to say right. that you know the technology technology almost kind of illuminates uh the blind spots of our own human nature Ooh, well said yeah so let's let's talk intermittent fasting. Um, you're you're writing a book about it, and uh, I'd I'd love to know what because I think you probably have have gathered by now that the listeners to the Optimal Performance Podcast are pretty hip to uh, the, the the content that we're going to dive into. But what mm-hmm. don't we know uh, about intermittent fasting? What what sort of new information or new approaches can you share with us that our audience can immediately use? Uh, well, yeah, it depends on like uh, what level of what level of uh, experience people have with fasting. But uh, I maybe want to yeah start off with uh, this general kind of misconception that has been around, let's say, for the past few decades, is that you know that you need to eat consistently all the time and very frequently to uh, keep your metabolism up and to prevent yourself from starving, so to say. That I would say that that is completely like a mis misconception and uh, really. Uh, not true and you know the main fit the main mainstream fitness industry is definitely uh, missed the boat <laughs> in that sense that uh, higher eating frequency isn't necessarily healthier and it's not gonna exponentially make you more build muscle or it's not gonna make you burn more fat if you eat more often and such so uh, you know in general I would say that a slightly lower eating frequency and uh, time restricted feeding is definitely uh, much healthier and uh, definitely gonna have like additional benefits that you're not gonna get from eating. The you know the, you I've pro- you probably heard about uh, Sachin Panda who is doing like a lot of research on circadian rhythms and chronobiology. So he has done many research on you know like time restricted feeding, and uh, he has kind of shown that uh, if you take two groups of mice and for one group you fed like a high fat high carb diet ad libitum basically whenever you want and uh, at whatever time of the day then those rats they gain significantly more body fat and they they develop like diabetes and such uh, versus the ones that uh, consume the same amount of calories within a smaller time restricted manner then those rats gain much less body fat and they even like prevent themselves from getting these obesity related diseases so simply the idea of having food the same amount of calories within a smaller time frame has this sort of a benefit on metabolic health and it's even like better for uh, preventing uh, gaining fat so that's like something that most people can really benefit from and uh, i would say that uh, that's also something that they're not really aware of so to say that you know there's a, there's a lot of conditioning that has ha- occurred over the past few years that yeah if you skip a meal then the next meal you do eat is going to immediately stored as fat and uh, you're going to starve so to say versus in my opinion uh, that will actually occur if you're doing like a higher eating frequency. In that case, yeah, it may occur that your metabolism may get more damaged uh, just because of the higher eating frequency, especially if you're doing like a calorically restricted diet. If you're, if you're doing intermittent fasting, uh, then you can also kind of sidestep the need for having a huge caloric deficit. You can still consume the same amount of calories, 
but you may end up, you know, uh, burning more fat and losing a bit of weight as well. Yeah. So, it, you know, what you eat when you're when you're breaking your fast <clears throat> is 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 crucial. You know, I think a lot of people sort of. Um, because they know intermittent fasting is beneficial to them and because they are lazy. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think a lot of folks think, oh, cool, well, I ate an early dinner and then I slept. So I was fasting. So mm. when I wake up, maybe I'll push my breakfast back from 8 o'clock till 9.30 uh, mm-hmm. because that means that I had a, whatever, 10-hour or, or 12-hour <laughs> fast. Is that yeah. sufficient for people? Is that going to get them the results that they want? Mm, uh, like actually, the, the you know the Sachinbanda they also did some research that looked at how how often people eat, and they found that usually their eating eating window starts in the morning, right after waking up, by adding you know some milk or some honey into their coffee or tea, and uh, it ends right about right before going to bed, whenever they're like snacking a few almonds or some nuts or something like that. So that's keeping them in this constant fit state basically throughout the entire day and they do experience like a very short fasted window uh, in the in the middle of the night uh, but the problem is that yeah like for these kind of adapt- adaptations of fasting or these beneficial autophagic effects to occur then you definitely should be fasting slightly longer than that uh, in general it's it's kind of depend on like what kind of a nutrition are you following and you know how 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 full of junk your body is but usually i would say that you know the general you know, the minimum that you would want to aim for is like 16 hours of fasting every day. And that's what's also uh, recommended by Sachin Banda and his research that, uh, you know, you should fast at least 16 hours and consume your food within maybe like 8 to 10 hours at maximum. That would be like the minimum I, I would recommend everyone to follow uh, to gain these circadian benefits and to gain these uh, fasting benefits. But at the same time, uh, you know, ex- ex- extending the fasting period slightly longer like in my case, fasting for 24 hours or such, uh, then uh, that would be slightly more beneficial. And uh, it's not necessarily going to give like exponentially more results, uh, but at the same time, it will have like a slightly slightly bigger difference. So what, what's the best thing to eat? I mean, it's tough because all of these questions can be answered by, well, it depends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it depends on what you already have in your system. It depends on your blood glucose level. It depends on your level of activity. It depends on, you know, yeah. a, a thousand things. But um, I know that you've that you've thought a lot about this um, and you've done extensive YouTube videos about this too. Like what is – what's sort of a what's – a, what's a good, smart – uh, food or liquid that people can eat to break their fast. Let's say they're just new to this and they, they, they know mm-hmm. it's good and they want to try it and new mm-hmm. year, new me, I'm going to try this mm-hmm. thing out. Like what, what should they have at their house? What sort of foods or liquids should they have at their house that they can use, uh, to, to first break their fast? Mm, yeah. Uh, I would say that it's not necessarily. It's, it's definitely not a good idea to start eating some hard to digest foods when you're breaking a fast, even if it's like a short fast uh, of like less than sixteen hours. Uh, uh, but you know, if it's if it's uh, like a longer fast, then you definitely want to take things a bit slower and introduce these different foods uh, at a, like a slower rate. But what I do think that uh, you sh- everyone can kind of have whenever they are eating before that then uh, maybe like a little bit of apple cider vinegar, some lemon juice, and maybe like a few slices of raw ginger in it. That's a good 
kind of digestive enzyme booster that's going to help to pre-digest the food as well and kind of stimulate some uh, stomach acid in the gut. So that's what I personally do. Like whenever I am uh, having something to eat, then I w- would have like a small cup of some apple cider vinegar and such. But you, do, you, don't, you don't necessarily want to have it like too, uh, too close to the food, so to say, that if you have too much water before eating, then you're going to dilute stomach acid and that can cause again like constipation and uh, bloating, so to say. So I do have it like maybe 15 minutes before eating and uh, like the first food that I would consume would be something with some probiotics and some more additional digestive enzymes. It's going to depend again like what you can plan on eating next. Uh, for instance, if you're having like some carbs, then you maybe have some uh, some some foods that have like these digestive enzymes that help to digest carbs, like you know bananas or or uh, or or some raw honey, something like that. But if I'm generally having like a good keto meal or like a paleo type of meal, then uh, I usually start off with some uh, sauerkraut, maybe some kimchi, uh, some pickles, and uh, yeah, some. I also add some. Uh, vinegar then some probiotic foods that stimulate some digestive enzymes and after that uh, me personally i i would have let's say something with some good digestible protein like eggs or fish and uh, and some maybe some meat as well thanks the question are you uh, are you hip to the carnivore diet uh, I do think like it's definitely like a effective thing and uh, I do think it can work for some people uh, but I would say that let's say like for optimal longevity and uh, for optimal health you would want to kind of cycle it and uh, after after the kind of re resurgence of the carnivore diet <laughs> i definitely have to kind of look at okay yeah like we don't really need that much fiber we don't really need that many vegetables but i do still think that having some vegetables and some fiber in the diet is uh, like a better thing than just zero carb zero carb so to say like it's if if some people aren't able to digest fiber or these vegetables then uh, it's simply like a sign of poor gut health and using the current short period of carnivore can be useful for you know fixing the gut but the kind of end result or the end goal to aim for would be to still have some uh, fiber every once in a while and uh, still uh, you know be able to digest it so you haven't uh, you haven't tinkered around with uh, with the carnivore diet quite yet you haven't experimented with it I do have had it like for maybe a few days, but not like for long, long periods. Not, uh, not two years like uh, Dr. <laughs> Sean Baker. Yeah, yeah, not that, like that. <clears throat> I think he's going to be coming back on the podcast. He was on an episode, oh man, a long time ago, but I think he's going to come back because he he's doing a campaign around um, mm. uh, Carnivore Month. And holy right. smokes, man, like that is as far as... <laughs> topics man i mean really it's it's fascinating how people get worked up about it i mean not not mm. just you know um vegans but but people who just can't wrap their brain around it and aren't willing to do the research to figure out like oh right. look yeah. look here's how it helps your autoimmune system <laughs> like your yeah. uh, this autoimmunity well let me let me go back cuz i feel like i'm jumping around and um you're you're being sharp with me which i appreciate but um uh, tell give us a little bit of preview about some of the things that you're working on uh in the book how intermittent fasting uh, f- uh affects autophagy what's mTOR how is it all included like what um lay it out for us i'm going to i'm going to let you kind of go for a little bit because i'm i'm curious as to uh what uh what you've got to say mm. yeah for sure uh well the title of the book that i'm writing is called uh, metabolic autophagy so the idea is to kind of 
breach this chasm between uh, longevity and performance so to say that you know you in most cases or like uh, unfortunately sometimes those uh, two goals they they can kind of be conflicting so to say like too too performance oriented too hustle mode all the time can uh, have like some negative effects on longevity and lifespan so I've, i'm trying to uh, breach the chasm between those things and in my opinion one of the best ways of going about it is with uh, intermittent fasting and resistance training so first of all one of the best way no, best known ways of promoting lifespan and longevity in almost all species is like caloric restriction and one of the critical components of that is uh, autophagy and also like these other pathways like sirtuins and foxo factors and and such so those things are mimicking this idea of stress adaptation and you know energy depletion and uh, that's going to help the body to mobilize its own energy stores and also that's that's one of the reasons why these kind of organisms that are put under caloric restriction and you know intermittent fasting and everything else <laughs> like basically put into these very starvation conditions that's going to help them to live longer uh, but on the opposite end uh, there's also this idea that uh, or this there's also this uh, kind of important factor of maintaining muscle mass and uh, having having bone strength and everything else related to that that's also really really critical factor for longevity because you know as you get older you're starting to lose muscle mass and uh, that's going to predispose you to a lot of potential diseases like you know insulin resistance diabetes alzheimer's and you know arthritis everything else so uh it's like this there's, it's, it's important to kind of maintain as much muscle mass as you can as you age and also yeah. you know re re kind of stay physically active so to say because one of the reasons why you lose muscle mass is because you know sedentary lifestyle and uh, not consuming enough protein and not doing enough exercise and and such. so like the idea is to how can i gain the kind of energy depleting benefits of intermittent fasting while at the same time uh, promoting my muscle growth with resistance training and how, how can i combine them together so so, so what can you can you map out the the connection between uh, between intermittent fasting um, and autophagy? Just to just to just to like really clarify for people, like why is it why is it important? Yeah, like uh, well, autophagy is this um, metabolic process where your healthy cells are recycling old old and weak cells and it's going to convert them into energy and one one of the reasons why it helps with longevity is that uh, your it helps to kind of clear out uh, dysfunctional mitochondria as well like this process called mitophagy is this sub layer category of autophagy where is like mitochondrial autophagy basically and you know mit mit the mitochondria are one of the most important parts of your cells that help to produce energy so as you get older your mitochondria get weaker and uh, they also may promote inflammation that's going to accelerate aging they're going to create oxidative stress and you know free radicals every, everything else so if your autophagy pathways are working correctly then you should be able to eliminate those uh, weak mitochondria and uh, that's going to prevent all of the other downstream effects of you know increased inflammation and uh, disease so that's why uh, that's why like the autophagy is kind of a critical thing for uh, maintaining youthfulness and uh, slowing down aging as well and you know the problem is that in the modern contemporary diet and uh, eating habits those things are not really helping with autophagy and you know they're not basically blocking it all together 
So like having three square meals a day all the time and uh, having a bunch of snacks, high carb foods, processed foods and, uh, and uh, you know, not uh, doing ex- exercise enough, not having fasting, those things, uh, they don't help the body to, uh, you know, induce autophagy. And that simply leads to accelerated aging and uh, the accumulation of this waste material. So with daily t- timer sugar feeding and with exercise and with uh, like going for these longer fasts for 24 hours and, you know, three to five days, those are going to be good things to still keep your autophagy pathways active, so to say. Yeah, I mean it, it, it makes sense. Like you got to give your you got to give your your body a chance to catch up. Yeah, and it's literally it, like taking out the trash, I'll say. Right? Yeah. Do in your experience, and, and again, I'm just gonna try to make this make this clear for people. In your experience, and you know, either personal experience or people that you know, um, can you tell? Can people tell a difference when they? when they begin to fast for longer periods of time? Like what are some of the symptoms or benefits or feelings that they get when they, when they start to do that? Mm, well, I, I would say that you know, the best benefit or the you know, immediate, most immediate benefit of uh, doing intermittent fasting is more energy when you're uh, eating as well and when you're not eating as well. So like uh, the, the, the fasting itself promotes keto adaptation and uh, that teaches your body to basically use its own body fat for fuel and whenever you aren't eating then you're not going to suffer from these energy dips or these energy crises so you're not dependent on food like literally i can i can uh, go for weeks without eating because i carry like a bunch of body fat with me and even like lean people under 10% body fat they have like thousands and thousands of calories so eating the keto diet and uh, doing intermittent fasting that basically teaches a body to how to access that body fat because like again these the same uh, modern diet with high carbs and high eating frequency those are gonna basically blunt or prevent the body from tapping into the body fat stores so like the most immediate benefit will probably be like increased energy and that itself kind of carries over to more mental clarity and uh, stable energy levels as well so that's my in my personal experience and my personal opinion is like the best uh, kind of quirks of uh, fasting do you think that do you think that some folks um you know if if you're not uh an athlete if you're not um you know I guess exactly. athletes yeah it, it, I I feel like there's probably some resistance for people that say like well why would I want to like what what <laughs> yeah. why why should I care I'm not running an, uh, a marathon or doing a tough mutter you know I'm not I'm not posing with my shirt off, like I work at a desk all day and I like Cheetos and I like donuts <laughs> on Fridays. Like wh- why, why should I give a crap about doing this? Like what, for, for those people, um, and for people who are watching your YouTube videos and like really getting into it, like what, why should, why should, uh, any, any person really consider this? Well, well, I really, <laughs> I really have to say that, you know, they sh- they don't have to do it, so to say. It's not mandatory and it's not necessary. So, like, it's it's the idea is that, you know, not everyone is going to make make it. <laughs> so, to say, some people, they're not simply <laughs> going to reach, reach anywhere with their goals or with their health. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we have, like, a lot of people who are dying prematurely and getting a lot of diseases, so to say. So, you know, it's it's, it's up to them, so to say. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not forcing anything upon anyone and I'm simply you know, sharing the science and sharing 
uh, the data and sharing my own experience and uh, giving some uh, pointers on how to do it. So I'm not telling that it has to be done or that this is the only way of eating, so to say. I'm simply saying that, yeah, this is how how I do it. And if you want to do it, then uh, go ahead. Like I'm giving you some guides, I'm giving you some tips and such. So like this is not like a mandatory thing because not everyone is going to live over 100 or something. Not everyone is, is going to have a six pack. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like simply, simply a matter of uh, your own kind of awareness about these things and uh, how, how far are you going to willing to take it? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You're not. Yeah, I think <laughs> here's the information. Here's why it works. Here's the science. If you still want to be uh, stagnant and stiff and grumpy, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, like because because it's it's not it's not supposed to be or like yeah, uh, like I'm I'm not yeah gonna force on something on anyone else. So uh, it's up to them. Up to them. Right. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm sort of curious about your, about, about your continued, continued pathway. Like what, what draws you to continue to, to, um, to present this information to people? Are you, uh, obviously you're, you're working on your book. What I'm, I'm, this is kind of random, but what, where are you in the, in the process of writing your book right now? Uh, I'm, uh, actually recording the audio versions, uh, on kind of consistent basis for the last few days. Uh, but you know, the, all of the last edits are also done. So it's basically going to come out in the beginning of February. So yeah, I'm doing that, like the audio version and uh, yeah, just simply preparing for it. What, uh, what are you most excited about? Uh, what, what information or, or how it's compiled? Are you most, are you most excited to share with people? Mm, I think one of the more exclusive kind of contents of the book has to do with these uh, anabolic and catabolic values of certain foods, or like let's say like how do they how do how do certain foods stimulate these processes of autophagy or mTOR or muscle protosynthesis and such. So in the book, I'm going to list out like all these different foods that affect these processes in their own way. And uh, how how much or or like to what extent do they affect? Because like there is a difference between uh, the kind of muscle protein stimulation effect of eating eggs versus eating broccoli, so to say. One is gonna make you build more muscle, whereas the other is not gonna do it because like it's gonna stimulate different pathways in the body. Uh, tell me more. Tell me more. Well, yeah, like uh, let's take the same example of eggs. So eggs are probably one of the most anabolic foods uh, around so the eggs are rich in uh, amino acids especially leucine so leucine is the most anabolic amino acid that is going to flip the switch on the mTOR pathway and that's going to promote muscle protein synthesis which will then make your body grow and uh, that's going to grow you know everything uh, in your it's like an all in mTOR is the anabolic switch that makes everything in your body body grow whether that be like muscle cells and uh, nerve cells and uh, neurons as well as like these other uh, let's say unwanted cells as well like some cancerous cells or something but in general like eggs are a good muscle building food because they flip uh, or they have like a bunch of leucine and uh, some other amino acids and protein, and that's going to help to build muscle. Versus, on the other hand, you have broccoli, which doesn't have, I would say, like, it doesn't have almost almost any leucine at all. 
but uh, it's not gonna st- it's not gonna have the same effect on the body just because of that. So it's not gonna stimulate mTOR. And instead, there's a bunch of like antioxidants, some fibers, and you know, sulforaphane. Those things those may have like a slightly more autophagic effect that uh, they promote the other pathways that help to uh, the body to clear itself. So like these those things are like maybe a good example of this uh, contradicting or conflicting. Uh, food groups uh, like eggs which are stimulating anabolism and muscle growth and mTOR and on the other hand you have uh, broccoli that stimulates autophagy on the on the on the side of autophagy you have also like other things like turmeric ginger and you know uh, and ginseng berberine those things they're more autophagy stimulating because of their uh, polyphenol counts and uh, and also like there's going to stimulate these pathways in the body Versus on the other hand, you know, meat, eggs, fish, protein, those things are more anabolic because they stimulate mTOR and they have like more amino acids. Ah, so, so combining those, making sure that you're having a little bit of all of that is, is, is a good way to go? Uh, not necessarily. Like it's going to have to depend on the goal, so to say. Like uh, you, you wouldn't benefit. It's, it's like, a, it's like a not, not uh, worth it to combine them together necessarily. Let's say, for instance, if you're trying to build muscle, then uh, you don't want to have like a bunch of these autophagy boosting compounds around like turmeric or uh, berberine because that's going to blunt the anabolic response, so to say. So even taking like a bunch of antioxidants after working out, that can have like a negative effect on the muscle protein synthesis because you're blocking the uh, anabolic effects. So in that case, in the post-workout scenario, you would actually want to stimulate uh, the uh, mTOR pathways and avoid the autophagy boosting compounds, so to say. But in the other example, let's say you're trying to, or you haven't worked out, you want to, you know, promote longevity, then in that case, you would gravitate more towards the autophagy boosting foods, like, you know, adding some turmeric or uh, some other sulforaphane boosting, or sulforaphane containing uh, vegetables. So if you're trying to reduce, you're trying to clean out, clear out, you know, those, those foods high uh, in polyphenols um, to stimulate yeah. autophagy are better than if you're trying to build muscle and, and get, you know, get stronger. Yeah, yeah, because you're not going to build a lot of muscle by, you know, eating a bunch of, uh, you know, turmeric and uh, broccoli, so to say. You need some uh, actual anabolic foods for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a couple videos. You have at least one about um, about loose skin after weight loss, and I think that uh, I think that that's directly uh, valuable for people. Just, just can you walk us through um, a little bit about what you've learned and what you know about about loose skin? How can people um, how can people prevent having that loose skin after losing a bunch of weight? I think like the most kind of uh, important thing is to uh, still, you know, fill up that kind of uh, empty skin with some a little bit of muscle. So uh, that in, in my opinion, like co- co- concurrently doing resistance training with the weight loss, that's going to help to prevent like this sort of a uh, saggy skin, like crash dieting and such for too fast and such. They could, that can be making the loose skin much worse versus if you uh kind of you know take things uh, a bit slower and uh, combine it with some resistance training and building muscle then in that case you kind of sidestep that process while at the same time 
the aspect of autophagy, they do say that it can kind of eat up the dead skin uh, when you are fasting and such. But I would say it's like maybe to only like a certain extent, it's not going to clear out 100% of the loose skin. It's going to happen only like maybe in very small amounts. And uh, it's most of the uh, most of the focus which should still be put on like building muscle and uh, doing resistance training with some actual compound lifts that, uh, you know, are much more effective for that. But uh, in addition to that, there are some maybe benefits to taking so like a bit of collagen or uh, consuming these bone broths or, you know, eating like the, uh, the, the tendons and ligaments of these uh, bones and uh, drumsticks of chicken and such. But yeah, in general, I would say the best bang for a buck would be coming from uh, resistance training and uh, and some time sugar feeding with intermittent fasting. There are also maybe like, I would say, like red light therapy is also one of those cool things that can people can try. And I do notice that uh, it has like a beneficial effect on the skin and it's it it can pr- kind of in in some indirect ways help with that as well so you're telling us that in, if you don't want loose skin we have to actually do some work <laughs> for sure yeah like uh, <laughs> it didn't it didn't happen overnight the weight gain so uh it's not gonna go away as well that easily Tell us, uh, you, you also mentioned in, in a couple of your videos um, some supplements and some, some herbs and stuff that people can take, and especially one that I've seen, um, especially with my wife after the birth of our second child, she was taking go-to cola for a long time and it was um, um, didn't really do anything and then over a very short period of time really tightened things up for her. Um, what, what other herbs and stuff can people take if, uh, if they are working uh, and doing resistance training and trying to build muscle, what, what can they, what can they take to enhance that, uh, that effectiveness? Mm, maybe, maybe I would say like, uh, again, these, uh, these autophagy boosting, uh, herbs and spices, they can, they can help with that. Maybe like some turmeric and ginger and such, but I, w- I would say that, uh, the, yeah, the, the main idea would be to still not have like a bunch of uh, inflammatory inflammatory foods and kind of looking at what your general uh, inflammation status as well, because uh, that's going to basically prevent <laughs> prevent any progress from being being made. Can uh, can I drink alcohol while I'm fasting? <laughs> well, please. <laughs> it's it's going to be uh, it's uh, definitely going to break. The, the the fastest state uh but it's also going to depend on like what type of alcohol are you drinking all of these uh you know high carb sweetened uh, alcohols like you know beer cider long drinks cocktails uh those things they definitely not only break the fast but they will you know stop ketosis and uh, make you gain weight uh but but uh, let's say these stronger spirits like you know gin vodka and uh, and uh, those those kind of like clean alcohols, those necessarily, uh, I would say that they would still like they have calories and they will break a fast state, but they're not necessarily going to inhibit ketosis and uh, they're not going to maybe maybe not shut off autophagy completely, but they're like at least like they're gonna allow some autophagy to be kept around because uh, the, the alcohol themselves like they have like acetic acids and uh, they do promote like some ketone body production as well so stick with stick with the clear <laughs> stick with the clear alcohol in general like it's it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely going to break the fastest state uh and it's not gonna be like any good for you <laughs> but uh, it's not gonna be kind of uh, it, let's say if you're 
eating a keto diet, then the only alcohols you would kind of be getting away with are these stronger spirits and in like small doses. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it's about lifestyle, right? I mean, if you're, if you're committed to being healthy and fit and sharp with lots of energy, you know, um, you probably want to cut out the alcohol in general just because you get, you know, get drunk and mm. then you eat ice cream. Um, for sure. It's part of it's part of a it's part of a lifestyle. What do you think that people have the most uh, str- struggle with? You know, because I because I think about you know the people that I know and, and listeners and so forth that that know that they should try this, that know that, that intermittent fasting is going to be good for their for their bodies and their brains. Um, what do you think that people struggle with the most? Is it is it just sheer willpower to like override their urges and taste buds? And and how can people um, how can be people hack that uh i think that it's not it's not a matter of uh, willpower or discipline so to say uh it's more of like the biggest issue has to do with simply habits that uh even though people have you know decided to do something whether that be you know related to anything to their health or their business or work or relationships whatever it is all of it still goes back to that they break just out of habit, so to say. <laughs> they're 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 kind of uh, you know breaking their word just because they're so used to doing something that uh, it's like unnatural for them to not do it. Uh, let's say in the example of eating, then they're so used to having breakfast that they're simply feeling lost or they're feeling empty inside when they're not having breakfast. Uh, you know, and the key to kind of overcoming it is in my opinion, to simply build new habits and to kind of replace replace certain habits with other ones. So it's not necessarily that you're craving for that particular habit. You're simply craving for the routine of that of doing that habit. Right. You can, you know, you're not you're not really wanting to, you know, binge on uh, Cheetos and watch Netflix. You're wanting to get some sort of another uh, feeling that you're getting from doing that. So uh, you can get the same feeling, or you can gain the same aspect of of following a certain routine from doing other things like instead of uh instead of you know binging on cheetos and netflix you you can do something else like go going for a walk in nature or listening to an audiobook or in the example of breakfast instead of eating breakfast uh you you may actually you know go take a yoga class or something something like that that is simply gonna take the idea of being stuck at that particular habit and replacing that habit with a different type of routine that will eventually still gonna give you like the same uh, feeling of reward and such. With with forty eight thousand subscribers on YouTube and you know numerous videos with you know fifty thousand plus downloads and more, you know, do you have you become a resource for people? I mean, are you are you sort of like a uh, a a coach by proxy. Do people do people contact you and and ask for your advice and stuff like that? Does that does that is that happening now? Uh, yeah, I do have like uh, I do have my own coaching services and, and do have like some clients that I do work with. Uh, but and at the same time, I still have like a bunch of you know people asking me for advice on social media, and I also have my own Facebook group where people are constantly sharing information and sharing uh, tips about how to do these different things. Uh, but I do feel like, uh, like, yeah, part of the reason may have to do with simply having built up some sort of a 
you know authority in on YouTube, especially on those topics that I've you know talked about. But at the same time, I'm still like a learner myself, and I keep continuously learning about these things. And I'm never never gonna kind of reach this point where I say that okay, I've mastered this topic. I'm still gonna keep learning, and uh, I'm st- still gonna stay humble, so to say, and I kind of update my own uh, ideas. What what have you learned recently that that really surprised you? Mm. Uh, damn, that would be good, interesting. Um. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned you, you mentioned Sachin Panda Panda a couple times, like uh, just to give you a little softball there. But mm. is, is is there something that that sticks out as I put you on the spot? Uh, no, like I've 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 learned about uh, Sachin Banda's work for quite a long time now, uh, but maybe oh yeah maybe like uh, I would say the things that I've uh, learned slightly more about recently have to do with uh, these uh, different these biofilms that uh, that are in the in the gut so to say that uh, shield certain bad bacteria and uh, that's going to prevent them from uh, being uh, metabolized away or you know eliminated so to say. And yeah, it's a very, really kind of interesting, th- interesting topic that, you know, certain activities, certain foods protect your body or your, they protect against the uh, elimination of bad bacteria in your gut. So yeah, that's definitely something to still have to be, you have to kind of look out for uh, how do you actually break down those biofilms and uh, actually eliminate uh, those uh, bac- bad bacteria. So what I've found so far is that you know, these different antibacterial herbs and spices like, you know, oregano and turmeric and uh, those similar things that we talked about already, those things are going to be really good for uh, breaking down those biofilms and uh, still populating, uh, you know, balanced microbiome. Yeah, I can speak to that. I I did some blood work a couple months ago or so. Um, I actually did a podcast with a naturopathic doctor where I did my uh, my blood work and we walked over it a little bit um, and uh, I have you know um, overgrowth I have candida in my gut mm. and and I don't know what that's from maybe you know I've been eating eating keto eighty twenty for a couple of years and intermittent fasting for a couple of years um, but I also love uh, I also love beer and so uh, <laughs> yeah. and so. Um, so the yeast and so forth, uh, I have an overgrowth of candida. And uh, the first thing that I did was to do, um, you know, basically two droppers under the tongue in the morning with mm. oregano oil. Mm. Um, and I just sort of keep it there until, you know, my mouth burns so bad, I have to swish it down with some water. And, uh, and it cleared up my skin and cleared up my gut and actually... Um, I could feel, I could feel it kind of in my gut. I felt less bloated. I felt less, um, you know, I became more regular. Yeah. Mm. Oregano oil is a, is a, is a pretty magical, you know, antibacterial, antimicrobial. Have you been experimenting with oregano oil yourself? Uh, I have used it a little bit, uh, but not like consistently. I haven't had any like serious issues with my gut, so to say. But uh, another thing that is kind of cool or another one of those uh, minerals that can help with the gut is like like shilajit. So that's that's a, like also like a powerful antibacterial. Say and, it again. Uh, shilajit. Shilajit. Yeah. <laughs> what is so that? It's, this, it's like this Himalayan sort of a mineral that uh, promotes 
fulvic acid and uh, humic acid, or it contains uh, fulvic acid and humic acid, and uh, it's like a really powerful energizer of the body used in like Ayurvedic medicine as well. I think it's it's it can promote like ATP production and uh, also eliminates some of these uh, bacteria in the gut. Can you spell it for me? S H I L A J I T Shilajit. Whoa, that's a new one on me, man. Yeah, it's 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 like really tastes like really <laughs> tastes like really uh, some really uh, sour <laughs> granite, <laughs> basically like rock, and it's <laughs> it's really powerful stuff. But it's granite. but it's I've, I've do, I do notice like definitely it uh, has some benefits. Interesting. Oh, that's a new one. Um, is it? You said it's like a Himalayan salt. It's a, it's a it's obviously a mineral. It's a, is it is it like its own mineral supplement? Shilajit. Yeah, like you can get some shilajit powder uh, from you know online probably. Whoa! Wow, that's a really fun word to say too. Yeah. Shilajit. Yeah, you it's... mentioned uh, you mentioned Himalayan uh, rock salt in some of the other videos, and that's something else that I do first thing in the morning to get the electrolytes. Uh, do you do a do you do a Himalayan salt? Do you do like a pinch in your water, or is it something that you do every day or not? Uh, I don't do it uh, every day. I uh, I usually kind of postpone my hydration in the morning as well. I do some like a small t- uh, dry fasting uh, window as well in the morning and. And I postpone my liquid consumption like a few hours after waking up. So, uh, but whenever I would do it, then I would have like uh, this sort of a Himalayan uh, salt soul where uh, I'd maybe take like two cups of water and uh, add like uh, one teaspoon or maybe two teaspoons of uh, Himalayan salt in it. And if the water is slightly warm and I'm going to basically gulp it down altogether really fast and that's going to be good, good for like bowel movements and that can also... Uh, you know, it's definitely gonna make you go to the bathroom, but it's also gonna maybe clear out some of the bad, bad, bad residue in the gut uh, as it, as it goes along. Ah, so you're talking about sort of a, a colon flush rather than as a supplement? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, like uh, it's gonna basically, I'm gonna get it all in into me, <laughs> so to say that uh, it it doesn't really matter when do you consume your salt, so to say, or like during the in in the in the morning context. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been doing that for a while and I've actually got my kids doing it too. It, and, and yeah, you make that sole. So the way that I do it is, um, you know, uh, rock salt, either big chunk or coarse rock salt with spring water. And then you put it on the windowsill so that, uh, so it dissolves and also, um, um, receives, you know, some solar energy and mm. then, uh, uh, you're not supposed to touch metal to it. So, you know, you swish it around and you have this like totally saturated um um salinated uh, (laughs) solution and then just a couple of i do just like um like a little bloop in a in uh, in water with uh, with some spring water and down the hatch Mm -hmm. and uh i guess that i mean yeah that's a little different than chugging two cups of super salty water for the uh (laughs) for the flush (laughs) for the flushing element of it yeah yeah like uh, whenever i would uh, you know, drink water during the time, then I still had like a pinch of some salt in it to, you know, get some electrolytes. Yeah. What's the, what's the longest fast you've done? Uh, yeah, personally it was, it was like one week, uh, seven days. So, uh, that's, that's kind of the longest I've been, but uh, usually I stick to, uh, around three days or three to five days. Yeah. Uh, in, in my, like, let's say therapeutic fasts. Three to five days, and how often do you do those? Uh, 
I do try to aim for maybe once a quarter or something like that and get maybe like three to four these longer fasts every year. Uh, but uh, usually also like whenever I would be traveling, then uh, I would uh, I would do them then as well. So it's like a good opportunity. So to say, if I'm traveling, then a good opportunity to, to get like another longer fast in, whether that be like 48 hours or 72 hours. Gotcha. Nice. Um, what what do we leave out, man? What what uh, what question didn't I ask you that you're that you were hoping for me to ask? What what sort of information do that you do you have to just get out? Like, <laughs> uh, not 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 maybe like uh, I do have to kind of remind people that uh, although you know fasting is said to have these amazing health benefits and autophagy is great for longevity and such then it's still going to have to be taken with a grain of salt <laughs> so that, that uh, it's not all it's not it's 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 not like always uh, the best thing to have because too much autophagy can also have like negative side effects that it can lead to loss of muscle and uh, it can also still you know keep the body sick if uh, let, let's say if it uh, if if some of the cancer cells are going to hijack the process of autophagy and still survive from that uh, process so to say so it's never that you would want to have like autophagy all the time you want to balance it out with the other side of the coin which would be like being anabolic and you know growing muscle and uh, you know stimulate eating some carbs every once in a while so to say and not being all keto all the time so it's not like it's never it's never good to be on either either sides of the spectrum all the time so to say not being too anabolic or being too catabolic all the time you want to kind of balance it out by cycling between those ends and uh, kind of achieve this homeostasis uh, that way. Yeah, that's good advice. That's don't too much of anything is is not good for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I like to ask my guests one sort of concluding question, um, uh, and it's really it's just to complete the sentence, if you will, seem. Mm. Um, everyone from ever. Uh, <laughs> let's try that again. Uh, everyone would benefit from knowing that uh, fasting is not going to kill you. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> hunger, hunger, and uh, skipping food isn't a bad thing, and it actually has like a beneficial effect on the body. So usually, people associate these these uh, negative negative uh, or they associate these kind of discomfortable uncomfortable uh, situations whether it be like working out or fasting uh, they associate these things with negative things and they think it's bad but in reality those things are actually one of the best things <laughs> so everyone knows that exercise is actually good so uh, i think a lot of people have to kind of shift apply the same mindset to fasting and uh, skipping meals as well excellent Seem Land, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. It was awesome, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it for this episode of the Body, Mind, and Power Podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can now order my new book, Metabolic Autophagy, that covers a lot of the same topics that we talked in here. It's a collection of certain lifestyle habits and practices that prioritize longevity as well as performance. To support this podcast, you can also become a Patreon and get exclusive video lectures from my biohacking bootcamp that covers circadian rhythms, intermittent fasting, autophagy, resistance training, biofeedback, and many more. But other than that, my name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.